two men of color vanished after last being seen in the same deputy's patrol car. I knew something was wrong. My mother knows. It's the strangest case, the most unsettling case. Listen to The Last Ride podcast, part of the NPR Network. The Asian night market outgrows its old home. I'm Tom Shine, and welcome to The Range. Support for The Range comes from McCowan Gordon Construction, Fidelity Bank, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Coming up, an old piece of machinery roars back to life. If you don't have a strong stomach, it can definitely feel a little nauseating (laughs) and disconcerting as it's moving. But first, following the success of Wichita's first Asian night market last year, organizers are hoping for an even bigger turnout tomorrow night. So they've moved this year's event to a larger venue and added more vendors and activities. Hugo Fan has more. Inspired by the late night bazaars of Asia, the event is a collaboration between several local Asian American organizations. Last year's inaugural Asian night market took place at Nasker Park. It was expected to attract 3,000 people, but ended up drawing more than three times that. This year, organizers are moving the event to Riverfront Stadium in hopes of alleviating long lines and to offer more space for activities. It'll take place tomorrow night starting at 6. Kathy Pham is part of the event's organizing committee. So we're kind of inspired from that and we're trying to draw the Asian night market for a community where there is a lot of Asian people in Wichita but giving them an opportunity to maybe have a taste of what they used to have back home or just introducing culture that people may have not experienced here in Wichita. This year the event will have more than 50 vendors. That's a 20% increase from last year. Of those, 30 will sell food and drinks from nearly two dozen countries. However, the event's organizers want to offer more than just a culinary experience. Manasi Kulkarni is with the Wichita Asian Association. This year we wanted to make it bigger and better, and so that's the reason we're introducing more activities. There will be a community art project as well that the people can participate in, and we have about 58 total vendors that have signed up to be at the night market. That community art project, which is a tree display where attendees can attach written messages as leaves, will be constructed by local artist Sarah Mios. There will also be cultural performances, a DJ spinning, a movie screening, and a Pokemon Go event. Some vendors who had great success at last year's event are hoping that continues. Luz Aguirre owns Maki's Teyaki, which makes a fish-shaped waffle that is usually filled with red bean paste. Aguirre says one of the problems last year was the long lines. She thinks the venue change will help her better serve anybody who wants to try her sweet and savory treat. We had to reject people last year, sadly, but we're hoping that this year, um, since it's a bigger venue, we would just bring in orders and take them out as fast as we can and having a nice steady line and having people come and enjoy our foods. May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, and Manasseh Kolkarni says she sees the event as a way to unite a diverse range of Wichita's Asian population. What I'm hoping for is that it not only brings just the Asian people together to celebrate and kind of enjoy an evening out, but also the whole community as such to come together and enjoy some of the festivities. For The Range, I'm Hugo Finn. Are those uh, fish balls? Yeah. Yeah. I recognize the fish balls when I see them. Got a couple balls. 
To read more about the Asian night market, go to KMUW.org. For 364 days out of the year, the building that houses Smoky Valley Rotor Mills in Lindsborg is quiet. But the first Saturday in May, the giant machine at the Old Mill and Swedish Heritage Museum awakens. For this month's Hidden Kansas, Becky Tanner takes us there as the mill roars and groans to life during the town's annual Mill Fest celebration. This year marked the mill's 125th anniversary, and Sharon Entz of Newton was in charge of prepping it for the annual show. So a few days before Millfest, we have to make sure all the Babbitt bearings are greased. The Babbitt bearings are old technology. It's a metal alloy that's just a sleeve around a shaft. And so you have to const- when the mill is running, you have to constantly make sure that shaft is lubricated so the the bearing doesn't get too hot and burn down the mill. No pressure. The building's only on the National Register of Historic Places and is the only one of its kind still operating in the Midwest. It's a roller mill, which means it uses a series of corrugated rollers to grind the grain into flour. It operated until 1955. When the mill is in full operation, some say that being on the building's top floor is like standing in a boat that's being tossed at sea. If you don't have a strong stomach, it can definitely feel a little nauseating (laughs) and disconcerting as it's moving uh, under your feet. And you see these very large machines just whipping around at high speed. That's Adam Proct, the marketing and communications director at the museum. He says it takes Sharon Entz a full day to make sure the mill is ready to run at Millfest. And we are so appreciative because as she was working in uh, the very top of the elevator legs, those are about 20 feet above the floor, and the catwalk in there is about 18 inches wide. And each and every one of those has to be greased all along the way. Entz is the owner of Crust and Crumb Bakery in Newton. She has a milling science degree from Kansas State University and has spent the past decade working as a volunteer at the mill. I mean, I'm 46, and (laughs) and so I can move, but I was pretty sore after crawling up and down and up and down all the ladders to get everywhere to oil every bearing. I'm not a lover of heights, but I definitely, at the beginning of the day, I was pretty scared and nervous about going up there, but I got used to it by the end of the day. I'm... I think I'm ready for next year. (laughs) For The Range, I'm Becky Tanner. Hidden Kansas explores intriguing spots across our state. You can read more about Lindsborg's historic mill at KMUW.org. And one last thing. Every month or so, I get a news release from the Department of Defense saying it has identified the remains of a service member killed during World War II. The most recent was Staff Sergeant Robert Elliott from Plains, a small town in western Kansas. He was 24 when he died during a bombing run over Romania in 1943. Wars come and go, 
but the pain they inflict on families never really ends. The loss echoes from one generation to the next, getting quieter over time, but never quite disappearing. It lingers in a framed black-and-white photo displayed on a bookshelf, or in a box of musty family documents on a yellowed telegram that begins, We regret to inform you. Monday is Memorial Day, where we mourn those who died while serving our country. For many families, every day is Memorial Day. Thanks for joining us on The Range. Our producers for this week's show are Carly Cooper, Beth Collet, and Jonathan Huber. Our digital producer is Hugo Fan, and Torn Anderson composed our theme music. The executive producer of The Range is Fletcher Powell. I'm Tom Shine, and this is KMUW, NPR for Wichita.